And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Tonight is Tuesday, December the 12th, 2023. Coming at you from Champaign, Illinois. My name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going? Uh, hey, Joe, I'm doing well. I'm coming at you as usual from Brooklyn, New York. My hot take today has to do with the Shohei Otani contract signing, which I'm sure we'll get into in more detail later on in the podcast. But my hot take is, is that the members of the Guggenheim Baseball Management Group, the people who own the Dodgers, need to watch their fucking backs. Yes. Because... After what happened to the Padres owner getting whacked because he was handing out giant contracts to people left and right, the Dodgers went ahead and gave Shohei Otani $700 million, which means that you know Major League Baseball is going to try to bump them off. I thought you must have texted me this because I had a thought about this. Okay. Okay. Here's my counterpoint, okay? And okay. I'm kind of just playing devil's advocate here. What if Major League Baseball, and when I say Major League Baseball, I mean Rob Manfred, they're okay with the Dodgers spending big money. What they don't want is the upstarts, the quote-unquote small market teams, to get their britches all big, right? Oh, you think that the Dodgers killed the owner of the Padres with the blessing of Rob Manfred. That's where I'm coming from. Mm. And with a, with a name like the Guggenheim group, that's the James Bond villain. It's like, shouldn't you be collecting art instead of MVPs? They're doing that also. And they're also like, have deep underground military bases where they're genetically engineering mutants and shit like that. Right. Underneath the Denver airport. The other thing is that they're a collective, right? I think that the Dodgers have this, uh, you know, I don't know if it's unique or at least rare situation in MLB where they're owned by a a conglomerate. There isn't one dude. There's one guy who owns majority shares. Of, who is it? Because I know all I know is Magic Johnson is part of the conglomerate. Mark Walter. Oh yeah, what what did he do to make his fortune? I don't know. I'll Google a, it. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, they're owned by a group. So, I, because here's my other question I had for you: Are they as a James Bond group of villains? powerful enough to actually take on major league baseball and no no. why not no no well because they're i mean they you know they think they are they think that they're the shadow organization that's pulling the strings but Mm -hmm. there's like another layer that they don't even you know there's like Uh another door that that they don't get to go through i like it i'm saying yeah, this has got to be our second baseball-themed dystopian novel that we write. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got to get on that. Um, I want to kind of side-table Otani talk for okay. this episode because there's a lot going on there. We'll, def- we'll definitely talk about it. Uh, what's his name, Mark Walter? Yeah. He's the CEO of the Guggenheim Partners, which owns the Dodgers and manages more than $325 billion in assets. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's a lot of money. That's such a supervillain thing. Yeah. Yeah. These are James Bond supervillains. Everyone, everyone involved is James Bond supervillains. Um, okay, let's let's move on. We'll talk about Otani in a minute. Uh, hey, everybody. My name's Joel. I'm coming at you from Champaign, Illinois. My hot take for tonight is about college football. My team, the Oregon Ducks, I hereby call for the Oregon Ducks to boycott the Fiesta Bowl. Oh. 
they got invited to the Fiesta Bowl, and I'm calling for them to boycott it. Oregon finishes the season 11 wins, two losses, both of their losses coming to the Washington Huskies, both by three points. That's got to hurt. It does hurt. Those are your rivals. One of them. Shout out to Thomas. Congratulations to the Huskies. Uh, However, in their matchup, and the Fiesta Bowl is a major bowl, right? Normally, I'd be like, it's one of the New Year's Six, okay? Right. It's the, the worst of the New Year's Six, but it's one of them. However, Oregon's opponent in the Fiesta Bowl is Liberty University. Never heard of them. Okay, you've never heard of them. Let me go to Liberty's Wikipedia page for a second here. Liberty University is a private evangelical Christian university in Virginia affiliated with the Southern Baptist Conservatives of Virginia and was founded in 1971 by Jerry Falwell Sr. Cool. Liberty is among the world's largest Christian universities and the largest private nonprofit university in the United States by total enrollment. Liberty, whose website and officials speak of, quote, training champions for Christ, require undergraduate students to take three evangelical Bible study classes. The university's honor code, called the Liberty Way, prohibits premarital sex, cohabitation, any kind of romantic relationship between members of the same sex, and alcohol use. Described as a bastion of the Christian right, the university played a prominent role in Republican politics under Falwell and his successor, Jerry Falwell Jr. Like, this is the, the most, it's a, it is a school that was started in the 70s by Jerry Falwell and has, is mostly an online school and only very recently has decided to enter the money-making scam of Division One college athletics, but they have a good football team. Yeah, their football team went thirteen and zero, and they're the conference USA champions this year. And because they went undefeated, they got invited to the Fiesta Bowl. I'm so fucking mad. Well, do you think that you guys are going to lose to them? Is that? I think it's very possible that we're going to lose to them. Yeah, they're good. No, I think Oregon, all of Oregon's guys are, are going to uh, declare, declare for the NFL and not play in the game. And, oh, is that, is that how it works? Yeah. And the guys who do show up are not going to be motivated. I mean, what's, the best outcome is that we beat Liberty, and the worst outcome is that we lose to Liberty – and neither of those are good outcomes. That's literally the only two outcomes. That right, but you gain nothing by winning, and you lose everything by losing. Yeah, but what if they beat them by like 100 to nothing? That would be kind of neat. They did beat a team 81 to nothing already this year. <clears throat> Portland. Um, how I'm about just... FSU getting... This did we talk about that already? No, and I have lots of opinions about that. Oh my god! Uh, let's circle around to that too, because FSU. I, oh no, do... I don't want to come back to college football. Okay, you want to get all the college football out of the way? Okay, we'll do that. Okay, so the college football playoff, they the final four are Washington, Texas, Alabama, and Michigan. Alabama and Michigan are going to play each other in the Rose Bowl. Washington and Texas are going to play each other in the Sugar Bowl. That, of course, leaves out undefeated 13-0 ACC champion Florida State. Which in Georgia my, didn't make it in. Because Georgia did not make it in, which I'm fine with. They were more or less, along with Michigan, all season long, Georgia and Michigan have been one and two, kind of flip-flopping. 
if Georgia had beaten Alabama, Georgia would have gotten in no problem. However, they lost in the SEC championship to Alabama 27-24. to That's Georgia's only loss of the season. Alabama wins the SEC. They've only lost one game all season. That one game was to Texas, I think, in the second week of the of the season. So is Texas undefeated? Texas has one loss. They lost to Oklahoma. Is anyone undefeated in the playoff? Yeah, Washington and Michigan are both undefeated. And they're playing each other. No, Michigan is playing Michigan is the one seed. They're playing Alabama, the four seed. Washington is the two seed. They're playing Texas, the three seed. Um so it could come down to the fact it could be that FSU at the end of the season is the only undefeated team left. Yeah. Yeah. If they beat they they're playing in the Orange Bowl against uh, one loss Ohio State. Man, how pissed are they going to be if that's the case? They should be pissed. They should be in. Now, the justification that the committee gave is that Florida State's star quarterback, like all-star quarterback, broke his leg three weeks ago. And so they've been kind of struggling since then and playing with second and then third-string quarterbacks. But they still didn't lose. Now, the other argument is that if you put them on the field against Alabama next week, Florida State would be the underdogs and should be the underdogs. That's the, the justification that they gave for excluding Florida State. But that shouldn't be that shouldn't matter. They didn't lose a football game. Right. Yeah. The Alabama should have been excluded. That's the other thing. Because even though they won the SEC? Well, in my opinion, yeah. Because you had undefeated Washington, undefeated Michigan, undefeated Florida State, and one lost Texas who already beat Alabama. Because they would not put in Alabama ahead of Texas. Because those two teams already played each other, and Texas won. So who's the favorite to win it all? Michigan? Probably. It's actually kind of a crapshoot. Actually, I'm curious what the odds are. I think every team has uh, equal chance. I think they're all kind of the same right now. Probably Michigan. I'd probably go with Michigan if you, if you if I had to. But Michigan has this his local history of making it and then flopping at the end. Yeah, I'm, if I'm if I'm betting my money it's going on Alabama. Yeah, sure. I'm fine with that. I think Alabama has as equal chance as anyone Michigan is 1.5 point favorites over Alabama and Texas is 4 point favorites over Washington. So nobody really knows. And you wanted Washington and Michigan to play each other in the Rose Bowl. Because Washington's the Pac-12 team and Michigan's the Big Ten team. Right. And, and this is the end of the Pac-12 this would be the last chance to have a traditional Big Ten champ versus Pac-12 champ. But they're one and two. But they're ranked one and two. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. that was boring. Um, um, we'll talk, we'll talk about baseball now. Yeah. Oregon, just for the record, Oregon right now is 18-point favorites against Liberty. Cool. Eleven and two Oregon against thirteen and O Liberty. In the I think gotta win. Exactly. That's why it's it's a bullshit. It's it's lose lose for the Ducks. If they don't, they better win, and they better win a hundred to nothing. Yeah, I want to take the over on that. Yeah, you should. 
you should definitely should. That's on New Year's Day at noon on ESPN. I'll be watching and I'll be really, really fucking angry. All right, Sam, you want to talk baseball? Sure. So, hey, Otani. Los Angeles Dodgers. There's a lot of other stuff to talk about, but yeah. Lifelong Los Angeles Dodgers. In the end, Shohei, this is from CBSSports.com. In the end, Shohei Otani landed where most expected him to land. Saturday afternoon, Otani announced he was signing with the LA Dodgers. The contract terms are staggering. 10 years and $700 million is the largest contract in sports history, eclipsing Lionel Messi's $673 million contract with FC Barcelona. Needless to say, Otani's record-setting contract is very complicated. He will not be paid a straight $70 million per year for 10 years. Indeed, the deal is notable not only for its total dollar figure, but also for the way it's paid out. Specifically, Otani and the Dodgers have agreed to massive deferrals on a scale not seen before in Major League Baseball. This is from Mike Axisha and Dane Perry of CBSSports.com. Sam, what do you make about this? Otani is essentially going to be making $2 million a year for the 10 years his contract goes. And then after his contract is up, the Dodgers will be paying him the other $68 million a year. Yeah. I think it's a smart move for Otani. Interesting. Okay, we agree. I thought, I thought uh, we would disagree about this. No, you know, Otani uh, is... I mean, I'm going to say this without any sort of research into it, but Otani has to be the earning the most money in endorsement deals of anybody in Major League Baseball. Athletic and, estimates that he makes about $50 million a year already. From right. And that's, you know, he'll probably be able to continue to make endorsement money after he stops playing baseball, but it won't be as much. So it makes sense to me because, like, what the fuck does he care? He could be taking $0 a year for the next 10 years right. and making $50 million a year in endorsement deals and then when he's done playing he doesn't have to do anything he'll be getting paid like 68 million dollars a year for the next 10 years Mm -hmm. and you know he's betting pretty hard on societal collapse not happening (laughs) yeah yeah you know good on him opposite of that the opposite of that is that the Dodgers are kind of betting on societal collapse. Oh uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's the that's the over under on that. I had that thought. I'm like, oh man, the Dodgers are definitely going to pay Otani in like crypto bucks because right. really If I'm Otani, I'm getting seven hundred million dollars the first year, and then. <laughs> Yeah. And then not getting paid a cent for the rest of the contract. But yeah. <laughs> that's just me. I guess I'm not, I'm a little more pessimistic than he is. Yeah. But, um, the thing that I don't quite get about this, or I think I actually do get it at this point, but essentially he's getting $70 million, $700 million, but as far as the competitive competitive balance threshold goes, he's only getting paid four hundred and sixty million dollars. Right. Can you explain that to me? I will try. So the competitive balance tax doesn't strictly go to how much money you're making. It some geek, some geek accountant uh, calculates the value of the contract and some geek and that's the aav annual something value adjusted i think annual adjusted value of the contract and that's what gets put against your payroll towards the cbt the competitive balance tax and some geek accountant has uh, decided that that is $46 million. So even Over 20 though, years. 
per year over see but then years. I did 700 divided by 46 and that comes out to mm -hmm. about 15.2 so if, if you doled out 700 million dollars at 46 million dollars at a time it would come out to a little bit more than 15 years so i still don't get the math however well, i think it's i think it's factors in inflation or, or interest maybe yeah it must yeah it's inflation i think because right. like that over 20 issues the average amount he's gonna get right but in today's dollars in today's dollars correct so this still counts against the dodgers in terms of trying to stay under the luxury tax but 46 million dollars is a whole hell of a lot less than 70 million dollars right so they can still have a little bit of wiggle room if their goal is to avoid paying the luxury tax or their goal is, you know, to avoid the triple penalty. I'm assuming they're going to go over the luxury tax. I think that the idea is that they can still sign big time free agents or like big contracts. Yeah. And and only go over the, the threshold a little bit. Agreed. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think that's the thinking. I mean, it makes sense to me if we're thinking that everybody would agree it'd be totally cheating. Are you eating saltines again? No. Uh, I, I got to take my pill, that's all. Okay. Um, if it would be absurd if Otani actually only counted $2 million on their ledger for competitive balance tax terms. Right, but I think it's, I think that it's, what I don't get is that they're going to be paying $68 million a year. From 2034 to 2044. Right, and that doesn't count against their balance tax. Right, but that's still going to be money they have to pay. That was one thing, you know, we, the other folks have posted on us about this. Um, you know, this is going to make Bobby Bonilla day look like like a peanut. Like a, yeah, exactly. Like every day we will sell. You know, in twenty forty four, we'll celebrate the Dodgers paying Otani sixty eight million dollars for the last time. For the last time, yeah. This gonna be hilarious. Mm. But I think that you know. I think that if the Dodgers are doing this, now is the time they got to go all in. Yeah. I mean, See, that was my takeaway from this, is that now the pressure, if it wasn't on them before, damn, the pressure is on the Dodgers to get some kind of result. We've right. talked about this. All of the Dodgers are dynasty. They've won the NL West nine out of the last 10 years or something like that. But they only have one championship, and that quote, was unquote. quote unquote in the COVID. Excuse me, in the COVID shortened year when they beat the Rays. You've got MVP Mookie Betts. You've got MVP Freddie Freeman. You've got MVP Shohei Otani. You've got MVP Clayton Kershaw, and you've got you have to have multiple championships to show for this. And you got Otani to sign this ridiculous contract. Right. Well, the word on the street is that it was Otani's idea. I've heard that, and I have questions about that. I think that, like, both quote-unquote camps, both Otani's agent and the Dodgers were like, yeah, this was totally Otani's idea. Show guys. Okay. No, I'd buy it. I mean, I think it's, I think it's smarter for... Otani. Otani than it is for the Dodgers. And like I know I don't give a shit about the Dodgers at all, but right. it seems that it seems a little short sighted. Like sixty eight million dollars a year is still gonna be a lot of money in yeah. ten years. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the guy who's not paying for you. Yeah. To pay somebody who's not doing anything for you. Well, we knew it had to be the biggest contract of all time, right? 
Right. It had to be. It had to be. It had to be bigger than anyone else's contract. Right, but they were projecting five hundred million. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> like this is, this is blown the freaking yeah. wheels off of right free agency. Yes. And again, I got I I love two minds about this. The argument is you're signing two all stars in signing Shohei Otani. Right, but you're giving a guy a three hundred and fifty million dollar contract to pitch, and he yeah. just isn't. That's bad God's surgery. Right, that was exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> He's not pitching next year. Right. Now, um, what does this mean for the for the Angels? Do you think? Oh, they're the most miserable franchise. Like, I've got nothing but disdain for the Anaheim. Well, what are, what are they doing, though? Because they just hired Ron Washington. And that's like, you don't hire Ron Washington to, like, oversee a rebuild. You know what I mean? That's not... You just signed Mike Trout to what, at the time, was the largest contract. Was that, right, that, was, that was a while ago. Right. That was I probably mean, four, four or five years ago. You've still got him. You've still got Mike Trout. The Angels have no plan. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They didn't even, nobody even, nothing I read considered Otani was going to stay in Anaheim. Right. Nobody, nobody thought nobody that. Thought 2019. That. 2019, yeah. Four years ago, he signed a 12-year contract. Yeah, no, uh, the Angels, you have. I'm a White Sox fan, right? And the and the Chicago White Sox are pretty miserable right now. I would rather be in the position of the White Sox than the Angels. Do you think about how angry I would be right now if the White Sox had for six seasons the two greatest players on the planet Earth, and they won exactly zero? postseason games and then at the end of the six seasons one of our stars signs with the Cubs for 700 million dollars I would be smashing my computer against the wall right now <laughs> that was, right and you have the one that's like not cool you can the not cool one exactly the lame one decides to stay <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Right? Like that no, would be the worst. And I know I don't I don't know I don't feel like Angels Dodgers is that heated of a rivalry. I don't know, but you know, I don't think they hate each other. The Dodgers hate the Giants, right? I don't think the Dodgers hate the Angels. Right. But they might. They might. There's gotta be some kind of rivalry there. Yeah. Um, here's my other thought. The union, I haven't found anything about the union saying anything about this deal. Especially with the deferred money. Because part of me thinks that the union might be pissed about this. Really? About Otani giving the Dodgers this kind of deal. Although you said you think it's smart for Otani, which I agree with you. Yeah. And I think the union had to go along with it as long as it was guaranteed to be the biggest deal of all time. Yeah, I don't think that this is bad for the union. I think it's good for the union. Why? Because I, I don't know. I'm, I've been concerned about this. Well, the, the minimum salary is based on the average salary, the average contract. And somebody just signed a seven hundred million dollar contract. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the bigger the the more money these like big stars can get, the more money the people at the bottom will then get because their salary is based on like the mean, right? The average, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the median, or maybe the mean. No, the mean or the median. Yeah, that's easy. It's yeah. So the higher the average, the higher the bottom. Yeah, basically. Well, that's good for the union. The other, I think that all the union, like, as far as 
Like somebody takes a sweet deal, like hometown deal. The union doesn't like that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, The other issue, and this I think is hilarious, is people on X complaining about how this is unfair to small market teams. And that's total bullshit. Or if it is unfair to small market teams, market teams, fuck those small market teams. I've read lots of complaints along the lines of only a mega team like the Dodgers could make this deal, which is not true. Any owner of any Major League Baseball franchise is wealthy enough to make this kind of a deal. Sure. And if you're not willing to do it, why are you even in this game in the first place? Right. What are you you even doing here? Exactly. And I think that I texted, I I definitely texted my brother this, but I think I also texted you this. It's like $700 million. The Dodgers have already made that money back in Otani jersey sales. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, Because this is like, the whole Japanese market that is opened up t- to the Dodgers, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 100% agree with that. And he's going to, they're already fashioning all of their marketing around him. And they have right. bets on their team. Right. And Freddie Freeman. And Freddie Freeman. And, and Kershaw. Joe fucking Kelly. Joe Kelly. <laughs> yep. And Joe Kelly. That's true. <laughs> we do have him. We need to read his book. He wrote a book about baseball. I really oh, want nice. But he was number 17 on right. the Dodgers. And he like put this hilarious video on X of his wife like throwing away all of his number 17 jerseys. In like a welcome video to show Hey Otani. <laughs> yeah, I had read that the Dodgers had, like, what, before he signed with the Dodgers, one of the big rumors on the internet was that the Dodgers had called Joe Kelly and were like, "Are you cool with giving up number seventeen to show Hey Otani?" Can you imagine if he had said no? <laughs> <laughs> They would have fired him. <laughs> they would have cut him like before he hung up the phone. He would yeah. no longer be a Dodger. <laughs> anyway, he posted a really funny video about it. So check that out. I like Drew Kelly a lot. Um, I got two more observations about this deal. Did you follow the whole Otani to the Blue Jays movie? Yeah. I thought that was well. Fat. It was like a Aaron Judge to the Giants thing, right? I, I guess I still think this was even more orchestrated than that. I don't think there was any universe in which Otani was actually going to the Blue Jays. Right. I think he just fucking hates Canadians, and he's like, <laughs> "This will be hilarious. I'll get all those Blue Jays fans uh, hopes up, and then gas them when I go to the Dodgers." Like. Everybody thinks that Shohei Otani is a super nice guy, but what if he's secretly racist against Canadians? Mm. Yeah, I can see it. I could definitely see that. Yeah. And my last thought was he's deferring all of his payment for tax purposes. Right. I saw something about him getting tax breaks because of his... There are two things. One is he could avoid California state income tax. So say he plays for 10 years for $2 million a year and pays California state tax on that and then moves to Florida and starts getting paid $68 million a year after he retires or gets traded to the Miami Marlins and plays for the Miami Marlins until he's 52, like Satchel Page. Just for the hell of it. Just for the hell of it, yeah. Get paid $68 million a year by the Dodgers and then be like like a, a, a 
exhibition pitcher for the Miami Marlins, Bartolo Colon style. The other thing is, does he get taxed double because he's Japanese? I don't know. That was something I had I couldn't figure out. What like if he's got a penalty if if the nation of Japan wants to tax his income in addition to the US and California. I think that I mean I don't know if Japan does that. I know that the US does that. Right, yeah. And if like I don't assume that baseball players get some kind of exemption from that or anything else. Right. Anyway, good for Otani. Good for the Dodgers. Who do you think the Dodgers are going to sign next? Uh, I don't know. You think they're going to get Yumamoto? I don't. I know that they're listed on that. I I just don't. You don't see it? I don't know. I would not bet on it. I don't <sighs> feel like there's this thing of Japanese players being like, oh, my other Japanese guy is on this team. Now I'm going to join that team. Like, I, I thought that I think I read somewhere that Yomamoto was specifically looking to go to a team that had Japanese players. Did you? Uh, I feel like that comes up every time of like, oh, we have this Japanese player, and that gives us an inside lane on getting another Japanese player. Right. I've seen that happen. Well, our guy Yoshida was on the same team as Yamamoto, so in Japan, <clears throat> in Japan, they were teammates. Mm-hmm. So I got fingers crossed still on that. But yeah, what, I, what my brother Zach was saying today is that, like, you know, I think it's harder to convince a Japanese player to play on the East Coast. Yeah, I mean, but Matsui did it. Ichiro played for the Yankees for a while. Right. Japanese. But not at first. No, he was a mariner. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that. When you first come play in the States, it's like California to Japan. It's not that far, you know? I mean, it's far, but it's a lot closer than New York to Japan. Right. I feel like it's closer than New York to California. You know what I mean? Like, No, it's really, really far to fly to Japan. Yeah, but it's not. I mean, it's really far to fly to California, too. It's 3,000 miles. Like twelve thousand miles to Japan, <laughs> but yes, I mean the West Coast has the advantage of getting Japanese players. I mean, uh, have there ever been any big time Japanese players to play in the Bay Area? I don't know. Not that I can think of. That's interesting. And the best Chinatowns in San Francisco. Uh. Although I guess uh, Taiwan, yeah, could have Taiwanese. Um, so how shitty of a week has it been for the San Diego Padres? Oh yeah, you texted me last week and you said at some point we have to podcast about this. What was the word? What was the word you used? This fucking what's his name deal? Soto deal. Soto deal. Yeah, because he's going to the Yankees. He's on right. you had a lot of you had a lot of feelings about that. Well, basically, I mean, my my feeling was on our last podcast, you uh, oh, yeah. hypothesized that Major League Baseball assassinated the owner of the San Diego Padres. Right. Right. So that the Yankees could trade for one soda. Oh, that the Yankees so and then you prove right again yeah. that the Padres then trade Juan Soto to the Yankees. So the Padres, in the course of about less than a week, lose their owner, lose their best player to the Yankees, and then their chief rival gets Shohei Otani. Right. Like Your quote was, I don't know when, but we need to podcast about this Juan Soto bullshit. Right. That's how that, I just did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Yankees receive Juan Soto and Trent whoops, Trent Grisham. The Padres receive Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, 
and Kyle Higashioka. Also, side note, I fucking hate Yankees catchers. Like, to a higher degree than I hate Yankees position players. And I'm not sure why. I fucking hate Kyle Higashioka. He's you don't know anything about him. He's he's been he's been the Yankees like sharing starting catcher for years and years and years. I hate that guy. Uh, but yeah, like I just feel bad for the Padres. This is again. I keep going to CBSSports.com. I apologize. Quote. For this trade to make sense for the Padres, you have to operate under the assumption they truly could not continue to support their spending. If that is the case, and San Diego reportedly took out a loan to help cover payroll costs, then it's, hard to, then it's not hard to make the logical connection to A.J. Preller needing but being unable to sign pitching through free agency. Hence, trading Soto and Grisham for a grab bag of upper-level arms without landing Chase Hampton, widely, though not unanimously considered, to be the top arm in the Yankee organization. This is, like, embarrassing to the Padres. That the trade is? Yeah. Because they just got a bunch of, like, mid-level guys. Right, not even prospects. Reminds me of the uh, Giancarlo Stanton trade. Yeah, I think it's less of a rip-off than that, but I think it is comparable. That was just fucking Derek Jeter robbing the Miami Marlins blind. Right. <laughs> then he quit his job immediately afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, yeah, I just feel bad for the Padres. Once again, I'm a miserable Chicago White Sox fan. But I'm glad I'm not an Angels fan, and I'm glad I'm not a Padres fan right now. Right. Yeah. Well, if you're a Padres fan right now, you'd be, like, so baked. I'd be really high. Yeah. You'd be, like, really high and, like, munching on a burrito right now. Oh, San Diego might have the best burritos in America. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to San Diego. Shout out to San Diego. And if you were a Chicago White Sox fan, you'd be blackout drunk off of two smearing off ices right now. No, those are the Cubs. Sorry, the Cubs. That's what yeah. I had to say. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure White Sox fans drink more per capita than any fan base in America. That's well, in the Brewers. I think that's actually like an ongoing competition is that the two uh, booziest fan bases are the Chicago White Sox and the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, you remember when they had dollar beer night at the Dodger Stadium and then that guy got killed in the parking lot, the Giants fan? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Also, what's his name? That was fucked up. Who is the Padres player who doesn't play for the Padres anymore who got stabbed in the parking lot? Oh God! Yeah. yeah, you do. He's half black, oh, yeah, half Asian, um, and he's actually got like a a visible. Uh, he's uh, visually impaired. He's been around for a really long time. A journeyman, as they call him. Holy shit! The fans, the fans listening at home, are screaming his name at me right now. Right. Anyway, you guys know who I'm talking about. That one guy. Yeah. That one guy who got stabbed in the poking lot. I think it was after a Padres. Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham. I was right on the tip of my tongue. I know. I hate that. That's the worst, isn't it? <laughs> um, all right. Speaking of the Chicago White Sox, we signed. It was a strip club. club in San Diego. Oh, it was a strip club. That's even better. We need to do a whole. Sam, make a note of this. For off-season, we need to do a list of best strip club stabbings. Because wasn't David Ortiz at a strip club when he got stabbed? 
No, I think it was an outdoor cafe. Oh, shot. I thought he was that. Wait, he was stabbed in the DO, or was he shot? Was he, he shot, shot like five yeah. times? Yeah, that was like a hit, right? Yeah, but he was outside because the guy rolled up on a motorcycle, right? Okay, let's just say crimes. Didn't that one <clears throat> who shot himself receiver in the leg? for the yeah the receiver <laughs> for the Giants? Yeah, he shot himself in the leg yeah. at the strip club. Yeah, <laughs> he had a gun in his like the waistband of his sweatpants. <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm talking about. Uh. No, he was. He was at a bar. Who was? David Ortiz. Oh, David Ortiz. Yeah. But I don't think it's a strip club. It's like a bar restaurant, like a high-end bar restaurant. Looks like. Thanks. Food looks good. White Sox acquire veteran catcher Max Stasi. Trying to find what the pitcher that we signed because this is really weird. The Giants signed that guy, the grandson of the wind, they call him. What? He's got to be the coolest nickname in sports. <laughs> is he Japanese? He's Korean. Okay. And they signed this guy. He's 25 years old, center fielder, apparently really good. I remember reading something about him a couple of years ago. Um, and he, his nickname is the grandson of the wind That's because good. his father was like the, the best KBO baseball player in the 90s. Okay. And his nickname was the son of the wind. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, the Chicago White Sox this is from NBCSportsChicago.com. The Chicago White Sox have made a signing at the winter meetings, inking pitcher Eric Fetty to a contract. According to ESPN's Jeff Passan, Fetty signed a two-year, $15 million contract with the White Sox. Age 30, he was 20-6 and six with a 2.0 ERA for the NC Dinos in the KBO. Where he was named MVP. Cool. So we we got the KBO MVP. I am a big Dinos guy. As I you know, know you're a big Dinos guy. That's why I wanted to bring it up. So he's previously pitched for the Washington Nationals before signing with the Dinos. He pitched six seasons in MLB with a. 21 and 33 record in a 5-4-1 ERA. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's just really funny how getting a KBO MVP is like, oh, the White Sox will sign you, even though that in your six seasons in the MLB, you had a 5-4-1 ERA. Yeah. This guy, Lee, who the Giants signed, the grandson of the wind. Uh-huh. Also won an MVP mm -hmm. in 2022. That's a guy. The money, the the cash money, I'm trying to think of what word I'm thinking of. Hitting the jackpot. Hmm. All right. Um let's start wrapping this up. I have no opinions about the NFL. I should do a whole podcast without you about this Michigan University of Michigan cheating scandal. It's really absurd. Because you don't like it when I keep calling college football boring? I just don't think that you want to hear it. You're, you're right. I don't care. Yeah. I just don't think you care. Well, I don't. Yeah. 
Um, cool. Anything else? Dodgers, um, Dodgers have to win multiple championships. You think? That's the expectation. Right. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Seems like that's been the expectation for quite some time now, though, is all I'm saying. Agreed. Yeah, I think you totally... And you know, it's not easy to win a championship. I'm not saying that. but Well, and they keep doing the thing where they win 120 games in the regular season and then... Play get knocked out. out by the Diamondbacks? And then get knocked out by the Diamondbacks. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. Right. When that happens. I think that's going to keep happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Otani's never played in the playoffs. Right. Maybe he never will. Oh, my God. <laughs> How about that? That'd be fucked. Wouldn't that be fucked? I think Mike Trapp's the cursed one, though. I agree. I think the Anaheim Angels are the cursed ones. Right. Yeah. Yep. So it is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Sam and I are both looking at our phones now, and that's telling me it's time to go. Um, shout out to anyone, who, everyone, not anyone, everyone. We actually had quite a few listeners two weeks ago uh, who continued listening to this podcast. Check out our old episodes. On our last episode, we talked about our recent travels. Sam went to the Dominican Republic. I went to Greece. I'm going to Portland, Oregon for Christmas, but I'm not going back to Ben. Um, but that will be nice. I'm looking forward to that. Are you going home for Christmas? Tennessee. Tennessee. Uh, that will be nice. Um, but we will have to figure out a way to podcast. I'm, I'm still going to have to talk about It's the height of college football season, Sam. I have to talk about it. Bowl games start next week. I didn't even I didn't even talk about the pack two. Oh my god, I had a whole thing about the pack two to talk to you about. I will be unavailable for podcasting next week. You should be unavailable for podcasting. <laughs> Check us out on that terrible, terrible social media app called X at Updump2005. We're also on Blue Sky, Facebook. TikTok, I've been spending a lot of time on TikTok, Instagram. Uh, we've got a Threads account, but I don't know how to access it. It's through the Instagram account. It's through the Instagram same, account. Same password and everything. Oh, okay. I should do that then. I should download Threads and check out Threads. Have you posted anything? Nah. Okay. So Not yeah. since I first downloaded it. Yeah, okay. Well, we're there. Uh, <laughs> listen to us on all your... Uh, applications that give you podcasts spotify oh man i had to think about spotify once say apple itunes soundcloud give us a rating a review and a subscription uh for sam my name is joel ladies and gentlemen thank you so much have a good evening and a pleasant tomorrow <laughs>